0: that we just got that work so I give praise for that Amen. And we do it. Amen. Praise God. Praise so. God. Hallelujah. Again, we're thankful for everybody that is here today. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know it's cold out. Amen. And uh, we weren't certain how the uh, how the weather was going to take us, amen. But let me uh, let me say this real quick quickly before we begin the word to remind you that anytime the weather is inclement, or it's any a questionable uh, always pay attention to uh, our social media pages on Facebook, uh, also on the app. And if you haven't downloaded our church app, I encourage you to do that. Even if you don't use it to, um, to, to give and to pay your tithes and things of that nature, you'll get announcements such as this morning when we canceled our, uh, our morning classes. Uh, you'll get those announcements and updates on that app, so it's very beneficial uh, amen, for announcements and uh, news and events and that kind of thing. So just always keep that in mind. and do our best to let everybody know as soon as we know. Amen. Praise God. But We're glad to be here today. We're going to go in the Word of God to the book of Ezekiel this morning. If you have a Bible, we want you to turn there to chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Amen. We want you to go there this morning. If you don't have a Bible in your hand, if you have an app on your phone, you can go there as well. If not, we're going to have it on the screen, but we're going to ask everybody that is able to stand for the reading of the word of God. We want you to go with us today. Man, what a blessing that God has given us again to be in his house. Amen. And we want to say that we love you. The Lord loves you, as we just sang. Amen. That love is unmatched. No one will ever love you like Jesus can. Amen. He'll never. Uh, amen. No one will ever uh, embrace the you the way that the one that created you can. Amen. But we love you today. And I mean that from the bottom of our heart. We're thankful for you. We love everyone this morning. Amen. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37. I am going to read an extensive uh, number of uh, scriptures this morning more than usual. Amen. We're going to read the first 14 verses. Amen. We're going to get at verse 1. Everybody have it. Say amen. Amen. Praise God. The hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out of the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. "'Calls me to pass by them round about, "'and behold, there were very many in the open valley, "'and lo, they were very dry. "'And he said unto me, "'Son of man, can these bones live?' "'And I answered, O Lord God, thou knows. "'Again he said unto me, "'Prophesy upon these bones, "'and say unto them, O dry bones, "'hear the word of the Lord.' Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you. I will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord which hath opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed that saith the Lord. Amen. And God, we ask the show for us. We need you to give the Lord a shout of praise for His word today. Come on, let's bless Him. Prophetic this morning. If the Lord will allow me, I simply want to minister on this whole Sunday morning. Prophesy again and prophesy again. Look at your neighbor and say, Prophesy again. Amen. Prophesy again. Praise God. Now it's a very well-known and common story in the scriptures. Uh, Amen. The 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. It's a sermon topic that really crosses many denominational barriers. Now let's be real. There are some stories and some things uh, scriptures in the word. Amen. That are more prominent in some. Now let me tell you this. Denominations are man-made. They're not made by God. They're not ordained by God. They're not um, help me Jesus. They're not even sanctioned by God in my opinion. Praise God but amen, they've got this where we are today and so we, uh, we seek, amen, the word of God and so there are some Amen, scriptures that some denominations just don't uh, typically minister on, amen, uh, at least on a regular basis, but this is a sermon topic, it is a message topic that uh, crosses many denominational barriers. Uh, I myself have preached from it, I have referenced it more times than I really can recall, amen, and if you would look at this chapter in my Bible, amen, you can see that my Bible is well used. It's a... Amen. It's about to fall apart. I have a new one, but uh, it's just really hard to part with this. Amen. Uh, amen. To set it aside, I would never get rid of it, but just to set it aside. But you can see, Amen, in the notes and the uh, the writing and the highlights and all of the underlining and the circling and that, Amen, that I, I've really, truly, honestly preached from this, uh, Amen, many times. Praise the Lord, and even referenced it, Amen, several times. Praise God. But uh, and, and so once again, when the Lord. Begin to deal with me about uh, this particular uh, uh, scripture, Amen. The story I was like again, uh, really again, Amen. Praise the Lord, but you know how that goes with me and God. Yes, God. Again, you say, again, we will. Amen? Praise God because it's it's hopeless. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit is relentless. Amen? When it comes to the will of God. Aren't you glad of that, though? No. I'm glad He won't let me. Amen? He won't let us go. Praise God. Amen? But uh, while this story is a sobering reality uh, of the consequences of disobedience, amen, uh, it ends up with a very powerful testimony of the victory and faithfulness of God's grace covenant. Amen. So it is It is really a stark reality of the consequences when we are disobedient, amen, to the will of God in our lives. It really is a very good example, amen. We're speaking to the nation, uh, to Israel as a nation here, amen. It's a good example of what happens when, amen, they stray away from the will of God, amen. But thankfully it ends, amen, with really a powerful display of the grace, the mercy the love of the long suffering, amen the uh, kindness of God, praise the Lord uh, and showing how he is faithful to his covenant uh, amen, there are some that view this as a, a resurrection story and while it is uh, it is a resurrection story, it is really different than the other stories of resurrection that we see throughout the scriptures Uh, Amen. It's really different, see, because the other accounts of resurrection are with bodies who have not been dead very long. Amen. The other stories, such as Lazarus, amen, such as the widow uh, at Nain, her son, such as, uh, amen, the son of uh, the widow, praise God with the prophet, Uh, amen, Elisha, we we, we see, amen, the other stories of resurrection, uh, amen, are with bodies that just really weren't dead that long and even though some of them had been buried, they still had not been dead that long, even, amen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, amen, our Lord and Savior, he was in the grave three days, amen, praise the Lord, he had been buried but he still, a man, was in bodily form, amen, so this account, in Ezekiel's vision, is really a mass of people and not an individual. So this is another. Aspect of this story. a man That is quite different. From the other stories. Of resurrection that we see. Amen. And we know praise God. That uh, there had to uh, be. A proper burial. Amen. When someone died. But in this story. There had not been. A proper burial. That was uh, the custom. Uh, in the Jewish culture. So you got to understand that in the Jewish culture, if a body is not buried, it's considered desecration of the body because the body is the temple of the Lord. It, is, it belongs to God. It is His body. He created it. Amen. It is His temple. Amen. Now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So to not bury a body is considered desecration. Amen. But even uh, the mass resurrection that happened when Jesus had resurrected, those people had had a proper burial, amen, they had been buried according to the custom, amen, so this story, amen, this account, amen, that we see in Ezekiel 37 really is not the typical account of resurrection, amen, because again, they had not been, amen, buried, they had not had a proper burial, It was not just an individual, a man that had only been dead for a certain amount of days where they were still in bodily form. Amen. And it was a mass of people. Praise God. So I want you to understand, amen, that the circumstances surrounding this, amen, particular resurrection was very uncommon and much different than what we see in the Word. And so God carried Ezekiel away in the spirit to a valley. Amen. Say with me this morning if you know the story, many of you do. Amen. But we're just gonna lay this foundation. Amen. God carried Ezekiel away in the spirit to a valley. But I think it's interesting that the Bible, amen, the scripture says the valley. Amen. It doesn't say that he carried me away to a valley of dry bones, but he carried me away in the spirit to the valley of dry bones. This indicates a specific place versus just any old valley. Amen. I want you to hear Amen. This, amen, uh, specifies or indicates, amen, uh, that this was a specific place. Uh, Now we can read, amen, in the chapter and we can read the account even in the first 14 verses that we read to you, amen, some other clues in the writing that may even suggest that this valley was a battlefield, uh, amen, that this place, uh, that the valley that God had brought ezekiel to in his vision in the spirit a man could have been a battlefield hallelujah praise god and so my point being is a man that there is the place where things begin to lose their life there is the place in your life where the things. That once lived began to lose their vitality. For some of you, it's been on the battlefield while trying to serve and fight in the kingdom. So I'm coming this morning to talk on this cold January Sunday, amen, about some specific places, amen, that you, amen, have lost some things, amen. That matter in your life. Somebody say, Amen. Look at your neighbor and say it again. Prophesy again. Hallelujah. So it wasn't just any valley. Amen. But it's the valley. How many's ever went through hell? Amen. And it's been such a notorious trial. It's been such a distinct battle that you don't call it a valley when you talk about it and you testify. Hallelujah. But you say, man, that was the valley. Amen. That really tested me to the core. Are you with me? Hallelujah. I'm talking about the place, the place where you feel like, hallelujah that maybe you dropped your joy, that place the place where maybe you feel like you lost your family maybe the place where you feel like that you lost your passion, we preached on that Thursday, hallelujah the place where it seems, hallelujah that that thing, just begin to lose life in Another interesting, amen, element in this is that the idea of it being an open area means that the slain that were in the valley were left there for the scavengers, amen, amen, and the carrier, amen, pray to, amen, take advantage of, hallelujah, the carry on, amen, you know the vultures, those ravens, amen, the hawks that like to eat off of dead flesh, amen, that look, amen, for things that are dead, and then they begin to pick away at it, they begin to, amen, eat it, and then not only, amen, the carry-on prey, but also, amen, the scavengers who will go in, amen, and begin to steal, are laying dead, amen, they begin to steal, amen, their, their, their belongings, so we got scavengers, and we got the carry-on prey, carry-on is simply dead flesh, amen, so we got those things that'll go in, don't think about it coming back to life. I need somebody to hear me in this place. There's somebody in this house today and you're the reason that we're having service on this cold January morning. I need somebody to hear me. I feel my help in this house. You feel like different. Stay with me. So we have to be reminded here now, to parent that I, that I remind us that all that has transpired since God called Ezekiel to speak to the rebellious house of Israel. God called Ezekiel to speak to Israel in their rebellion. He was a prophet called to Israel, to the nation. Amen. And so we've got to be reminded of everything that happened, everything that transpired, amen, since God called Ezekiel to begin to speak to them. See, their long history of rebellion had really sealed their fate. They had a long history, right? We're going to go into all of that. Amen. But they had a long history of God raising them up. And bam, they go right back down By doing their own thing. By following their will. Instead of the will of God. I know nobody but me and maybe two other people in this place has ever done that. Man, they have a long history. So it was a pattern. That's why you need to know today. This was before Jesus came. When Jesus came, he broke the curse of that pattern. That pattern was sin. That pattern was the flesh. But Jesus came and he became that curse that caused them to fall into that pattern generation after generation. Jesus became the curse he was crucified uh, became the sacrifice uh, and of course he resurrection, resurrected and became the resurrection uh, hallelujah now that curse is broken that curse is lifted can I say that in heavenly terms uh, you do not have to live your life in the pattern of addiction in the pattern of habit. you do not have to live your life in the pattern of your weakness in the pattern of your failure because Jesus but there's something greater there, yes. And it's called hell. And specifically demons. But Jesus not only broke the curse over the pattern of sin in your life, he also put his foot on the neck of Satan and declared openly, he is forever defeated. never be away from and that peace and that promise of his presence now laid in ruins who am I talking to today who's God speaking to this morning? I don't know who you are but I tell you what you're not here today by circumstance it is not coincidence that you're here in this place so my point being is, regardless of the who, the why, now there were some, some dealings with King Nebuchadnezzar that, 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 that is intertwined and interwoven with getting to this place that, that Israel was at, amen. But my point is, regardless of the who and the why, we have to remember that it's about a broken covenant and an unspeakable loss. had someone reach out to me recently and the enemy is trying to hold them captive by their past. They're born again. They're saved. But he's trying to hold them captive by their past. And they, 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 they wanted to tell me the very thing of their past, that was, they felt like was holding them captive. And when I say holding captive, the enemy was telling them that it was unforgivable. And so every time they come to church and they lift their hands to praise the Lord, every time they respond to a message, every time they feel the glory of the Lord, they feel like that it was in vain because they cannot be forgiven. So first, but, but my point being is that they went to tell and they said, I can't even bring myself to say it. It's that unspeakable. How many of us have an unspeakable thing in our life that we, we don't even like to say out loud in our past that we, we don't even really want to say it out loud amen so it, it, the point being is that regardless of the who and the why it is about the covenant that was broken between them and God and that thing that was unspeakable and I said that to say this that it doesn't matter who hurt you it doesn't matter who you hurt it doesn't matter what calls you to be in the place that you were in it doesn't matter what transpired, amen, to get to that place where those things in your life lost their vitality, they lost their ability to live, it doesn't matter the circumstances surrounding it, because we can either, amen, play the blame game and always remain the victim, or we can decide that we're going to rise above it, because the opposite of victim, amen, I shouldn't say the opposite, on the other side of victim is victor, and Jesus put his hand and at his foot on the one that made you a victim that used the who and the wise to get your life a mess so that you can overcome it and be the victor in his name. So it's not about The who and the why and how the what got you there. It's not about who calls you to do this or who encouraged you to be this or what caused your fall. It's about the fact that God's desire, the reason that he sent Jesus was to ensure that the covenant that he made with Adam and Eve at creation could be everlasting. It could now be accomplished so it's not about how bad it was. It's not about how bad you were. It's not about how many people forsook you and how many took you out and how many done to you. It's about the fact that God says it's breaking the covenant with me. And that unspeakable loss may look hopeless, but nothing is hopeless when Jesus is in the midst. Yes. He's talking to today? We should also recall here Ezekiel's commission from God as a prophet to send them the warning. I mean, knows God will send you warning. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. it's called grace. Right. It's called mercy. Yeah. It's called long suffering. It's called the goodness of God. Come on somebody Where he won't give up on you I saw I saw that thing I think today Where it said amen Amen when you read the story Amen of the 99 Amen the one separating Amen and Jesus going after the one And the 99 It don't really make a whole lot of Amen have a whole lot of impact on you Until you're that one Because when you read that story You don't think about the 99 At least you shouldn't but unfortunately, I think we focus more on the 99 than we do the 1. Oh, help us Jesus. He'll send us opportunity. And opportunity. And opportunity after opportunity. In a lot of forms. He'll even use heathens. I said, he'll even use heathen kings to get you in the place where he can speak to you and use you. He'll even use the very thing that took you out to raise you up. He'll take the very thing that the enemy has conspired to destroy your mind, your marriage, your home, your finances. And flip it around and make it a foundation that will build you up for the good. So that you can reflect his glory and not a man the mess of the enemy. Are you with me? So it's important that we recall that Ezekiel's commission from God was to give them warning. And why? In the hope that some might hear, repent, and live. Look at your neighbor and say, it don't have to die. It doesn't have to die. See that he sent Ezekiel to, to, to give them that warning in the hopes that they might hear it that happened here, they didn't hear what the Spirit said in the churches. And not only would they hear, but they would repent. Hallelujah. Because uh, repentance without godly sorrow is just saying, I'm sorry. But when there's godly sorrow with your repentance, that means there's a turnaround. That means there's a decision, I ain't going back to that. I got my mind made up. It's not saying that you won't fail and you won't be tempted to go back, but you got your mind made up. Are you with me, somebody? Uh, hallelujah. And that they might live. The number of bones in the valley suggests a prophetic failure. Are you with me? I'm not saying Ezekiel failed. I'm saying the prophetic words were not heeded to. So the number of bones in the valley suggests to us a prophetic failure. Which is why God's question to Ezekiel was this. Human being, I like how he does that. Keeps it right on the level. There's only so much that I can do as a human. There's nothing in me that can heal, deliver, save, raise up. Are you with me? Amen. He said, human being, can these bones live Now understand these were dry. Matter of fact, they were very dry. So let me me, me remind you something. Bones in and of themselves are dead. But these bones were long dead. They had been dead for a very, very long time. They were very dry. And God, amen. See, see, a corpse might somehow resuscitate. So if we, if, if, if a pile of bones, now I mean, I'm not even talking about a skeleton. Who wants to talk about a skeleton? If a skeleton <laughs> all form, every bone together, obviously that, that was a human being, and a corpse were laying there, and God said, which of these shall live? What you gonna pick? If you got any common sense, you're gonna pick the course. Right. Why? Because signs of immediate life are there, yeah. here. Right. So Ezekiel didn't even see skeletons. He saw piles and piles of scattered bones that were very dry, that had had No life for a very, very long time. And the average person would pass by those bones and never give a second thought to hoping they would live. Mm -hmm. If if, if the average person would pass by the valley filled with a pile of bones, you wouldn't think, oh, Father, let him live. Right. But we would instantly think, that's it. They're done. Sad. That's over. And that's where some of you are in this place this morning. You're passing by those things that once had life. And you're looking and you see. And for some of you, they're very dry. Meaning that it's been a long time. And when you pass by them, you don't even think about them living again. You don't even consider the option that they will live again. It's over. It's just a reminder of what was. But when we're reminded of what was, it reminds us of what we're not. Who's he talking to today? It reminds us of what we're not. So not only were they dry, but they were scattered. <coughs> now, if you are given on this side a full skeleton with every bone together, the hip bone connected to the knee bone. bone, whatever, blah, blah, blah. blah the bone connected to the foot bone. Foot bone connects to the toe bone. It was all that was a skeleton. So you had a skeleton knowing that that was a human being, right? But over here, you have a big pile of just scattered all kinds of bones. And you were asked, which of these do you think has the potential to live? You're going to pick the skeleton. If you got any sense, sense. right? Because at least they're together. At least the opportunity, that part is there. But Ezekiel, not only did, was, he, was he given that valley of very dry bones, amen? A bone in and of itself is dead, but these were very dry, meaning that they had been there For a very long time, they had been long dead, but they were also scattered. That means that the winds and the storms and the vultures and the wild animals had had access to them. And they were able to move them and scatter them around at their own will. See, that's the issue. Hallelujah. You cannot. Can I tell you something? Amen. Please don't take amen what I'm saying. Amen. And think that I'm saying if you walk in covenant with God, that you're never going to experience hard times because whether you are in covenant with him or whether you are out of covenant there's still going to be winds there's still going to be storms there's still going to be vultures there's still going to be wild animals there's still going to be times of disappointment times of trial hard times the only difference is, is you've got somebody with you that's already been through it. And because he's in you and you are with him, then he's going to take you through it because he's already been there. That means while you're right here in the beginning of it, he's already been to the end of it. He knows the scope of it. He knows how deep it is. He knows how hard it is. And he's not going to leave you forsaken from point A to point B so that you lay down and die and become a pile of dry bones. But he's going to undergird you. And more than that, he has sent the Holy Spirit to empower you and to speak to you, to tell you when to shut up, when to put up, when to sit down, when to stand up, when to get up, when to lay down, when to wait, when to keep so simple, but yet so complicated. So the winds and the storms and the, the foxes and the wild dogs, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. <laughs> Some of you need to at least dream. <laughs> Dude, it's warm in here. You should be like that out there? And here it's warm. Hallelujah. Somebody needs at least grin. Amen. A merry heart does good like a medicine. It's okay. You won't get you won't get judged for laughing. You won't get judged for amen enjoying being in church today. Whew, hallelujah! You will not get punished for loving. His presence. Amen. Well, come on, somebody. The person next to you a sleep pigeon. So this is why Ezekiel responded the way he did to God. When God said, Human being can these be, be, bones live? And Ezekiel said, God, only you know. Because in Ezekiel's eyes, The hip bone to your peace is laying way over there. And the leg bone to your joy is way over here. And the foot bone to peace is over here. And you spend all your time just trying to find the bones. All the bones that that, that, that brought, brought you that peace that you stood upon, all the joy, your your family, your marriage, come on, your faith, Hallelujah, your children, uh, come on, your your mental health, your emotions, come on, somebody understand me, Hallelujah. So God said, "You think you can ever be right?" So you're like, mm, "I'm a basket case, Pastor." <laughs> Well the last time I checked, God used baskets to get people from one side of the river to the other. His name is Moses. God come on, hallelujah. When he was supposed to be dead, God put him in a basket, so he might be a basket. Case like God used that basket to get you the freedom. all that I've lost. You don't know the mess that I've made with my life. Pastor, we're talking about years. We're not talking about just one year, two years. We're talking about five, 10, 15, 20, But we're talking about a generation. You don't understand, Pastor. No, I don't understand. But when the Lord will ask me, can these bones live? I say, God, you know. Come on, somebody. You know. And Ezekiel was like, yeah, not going to trip me there. Only you know, God. You know that they can live. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So what's God do? He commands Ezekiel to prophesy. Hallelujah. That's God's way of saying, yep they can live. I just need you to speak the word. I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost right there. I come to look at somebody and say, yes, they can live. Yes, they can live. Prophesy to your neighbor and say, yes, it can live. Hallelujah. All it needs is the living word. What like did Ezekiel prophesy? Are you with me? Yeah. You that aren't, act like it. <laughs> bones are what remain when life is past. Amen. Right. Yeah. That's what remains when life is past. It's bones that remain. If something never had life, it wouldn't leave bones. Right. You'll get that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I said, if something never had life, it wouldn't leave bones. Because the enemy will tell you that it was never yours in the first place. The enemy will tell you that it was never supposed to be your victory in the first place. You hear me? He'll tell you that it's never been supposed to be yours. That you're never supposed to be beyond where you are. But because there's bones there, that means there was life there once before. And if there's bones, then there was life. Amen. Your hope cannot be in the bones. But your hope has to be only in the one who is able to restore those bones back to life. So there are other things in your life that need to be alive again. They need to be alive. So the fact that God took Ezekiel there in a vision serves as a promise of the hope of restoration. Lay aside the fact that he he asked him if they could live. The very fact that he took the time to carry Ezekiel away in the spirit to show him that the, the valley of the dry bones meant that there was hope for restoration. I said that to say this, the very fact that you're here this morning on this blistery cold Sunday, and this is the message that God spoke to me to bring to you today, is telling you that no matter what you see from God's vision, there's hope of restoration for those things that need to live again in your life. Because you're here, and you're hearing this message, And he's carried you away into Judah's tabernacle. Well, why did God take Ezekiel in that vision? Because that's what God saw. God wanted Ezekiel to see what he saw. What we preached last week, if you get in a secret place, you'll be able to see what God sees. And you'll be able to discern what God thinks. So the very fact that God took Ezekiel there in the vision was the holy restoration. And even though God addresses Ezekiel, the message is for the bones. So he's addressing you this morning, but the message is for the bones. And if he has a vision of those things coming back to life again, living again in your life, then he must see you In a way that you can't see yourself. Come on, come on. So he he addressed Ezekiel, but the message was for the bones, promising to clothe them with flesh and bring breath into them. Who are us? Promising those bones, I will clothe you. With flesh, and I will breathe, bring breath back into you. So see, see the message also makes it clear that any new life is God's doing and his doing only. Ain't nothing to do with me or you other than our surrender and say yes to his will. This, this presents to us and makes it crystal clear that any kind of new life is strictly on God. He said in verse 13, and you might pull that back up again, would you please verse 13? And you shall know. Look at your neighbors. he wants you to know. He wants you to know. He wants you to know. And you shall know what? That I am God. Yeah. You shall know that if I say that life, new life, will come back and I make a declaration over it I am the one, not only the one, but the only one that is able to do it. And my covenant says, if you'll stay in covenant with me, I'll do for you what I said I'll do for you. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm trying to to get there. So what happens? Ezekiel prophesies, right? And the bones come together with a great rattling as the sinew, the tendons, and the muscles, and the skin (laughs) came on them. So remember now, we're talking about what we're talking about. We're talking about a vast valley of scattered, very dry bones. And when Ezekiel prophesied, There came a rattling sound. Imagine seeing that. This bone rising up and over here, and then this bone rising up over there, and then those bones coming together. Not only coming together, they didn't just do a dance with one another. Hallelujah, but they began to find where they belonged. They began to find their position. They began to find the place where where, where the flesh and the tendon where they could be put back. Not as a skeleton, but they could begin to have signs of a corpse. In other words, amen, as if they had only been dead for a short amount of time. Amen, and for the sake of this message, let's say for 30 minutes. Hallelujah, that they had only been dead for 30 minutes. Hallelujah, so they begin now to look like a corpse. Now! if somebody passed by them and the thought of them living again it was a greater possibility and see there's some of you that are there in the spirit it looks like it's a great possibility but you still in your mind have no hope that it can happen there's no hope that God can restore your marriage there's no hope that God can restore your faith there's no hope that God can restore your sanity there's no hope that God can free you from the depression and the anxiety there's no hope that this addiction will not rule the rest of your life there's no hope that your children are ever going to come back into the house of God there's no hope that all is going to be restored hallelujah They all began to come together and and, and muscle and tissue and skin came on So that meant there was blood flowing now. The the, the idea of life being able to live with me. But there was one problem, there was still no breath. God's original promise was that I will clothe you with flesh and I will bring breath back into you. And he tells Ezekiel, prophesy. And as Ezekiel prophesied, it all happened, but there was no breath in that. God doesn't do anything three quarters of the way. Some of you have been at three quarters for too long. Some of you have been this far. Too long. I've come to tell you that despite what's going out inside of the secular world, I believe 2024 can be a year that you can finish what God has started. That God will finish what he has began in your life. Now think about this. I thought about this this morning. I don't think I've ever thought about this before, but think about this, anybody able to witness Ezekiel as he spoke to the bones (laughs) would think it was in vain and even foolish. Right. 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 He's talking to those bones. He just told those piles and piles of scattered, very dry bones to live. Anybody pass fire or what they call it. That's a waste of time. God gives it that people that have been around you, people that have been connected to your life, will look at you and say, yeah, no. They never want, they, they're never going to be completely restored. Once an addict, always an addict. Line from hell. Amen. hell. Once a mess, always a mess. Life and oh, hell. Right. We're all a mess in our own sense. But you know what? You get out of a mess a message. Oh, right. And it could be a message of hope or a message of despair. Right. I choose the message of hope. Amen. Come on! I said I choose the message of hope. So I walk by and said, "You know what? That's foolishness. Don't even waste your time on that." But it, but it reminded me of Paul's message that Paul said. That the message of hope is only foolishness to those who are perishing. So the reason that that onlooker thinks that you can't get past where you are is because they're perishing themselves. And they can't see themselves all the way restored and whole. So to say that there's hope in you means that there's hope in them here, man, that there's hope in them, and the enemy has it. And so they think what we're doing this morning and how we serve God and we put our life in His hands and we say yes and we commit to Jesus and we come in here on Sundays and Thursdays and we worship and get loud and jump around and get all emotional and that's foolishness. Why? Because they're still stuck where I was brought from. They're still in the middle of where I was before I said yes to all Somebody, do you hear me? So I said that to say this. Look at that. Look at that demon. Tell that. You done? I don't care what you say. This is a mess that only God can restore. Listen, I know I've told this before, but let me tell you something. If you, if your hope is in Jesus, my mom had a friend. I know I feel like sharing this this morning. I know I've shared this before. But my mom had a friend, she had a prayer partner. Y'all know my mom had, my mom had the the receiver of the phone permanently attached to her ear. (laughs) phone line to heaven on this one, phone line the earth on this one. She had a prayer partner. They pastored. They were pastors. And her husband decided that he didn't want to be with her anymore. And he wanted I, I, I don't know. I believe she was a secretary. I don't know. She might not even be anybody in the church. But he decided that he wanted this younger girl. So he divorced her. Of course they lost the church. They, had, they, they, he, they already had two grown kids and had a, a, a young Younger daughter still at home. He, he divorced her. Married this younger woman. They had children together. Now, I'm talking about this guy was in his late 40s. Like, you know, it wasn't, not that you can't have children at like that age. i oh, <laughs> <laughs> not sure at that point in your life why you would feel like you would want to. I don't, I don't mean that bad. I'm just saying, you know, when you have children and you get to that age, it's like, ooh, give me the grandchildren. You love them and leave them. Yeah. <laughs> And she stood on her marriage, and she said, I'm going to get him back. I can remember my mom hanging up and saying, bless your heart. <laughs> it's been 15 years, and she still believes that he's going to come back to her. You know, you'd have to know my mom. She's like, I don't know why she went. You're done. You're <laughs> done. But she stood on that, and stood on that, and stood on that. And don't you know that God brought their marriage back together after I believe it was over 20 years, and she stood on that and declared and said, if it's done, God will do it. And if God don't do it, I don't want it done. And God restored them, restored their family. Restored all of the brokenness, the hurt. Brought them back together. He passed away just just about a year or so ago, I believe. They were still together. They came here and visited service here a couple of times. After he got brought back together, he began to preach again. God restored it all. What am I saying? I don't care how long it's been broken. I don't care how long it's been dead. I don't care how dry it is. God... Can restore it. God can bring it back. Come on, somebody! He'll restore your family, your children, your relationship with your children. God is the only one that can do it. I'm I'm trying to finish. I said that once yet. Second time. time? That's the fourth time. Who's the fifth time? I don't care. I'm no, him. I said, I'm trying to finish. I just said, I'm going to finish Since I heard somebody he said, I know I said that. But God said, prophesy again. Amen. Come on. Prophesy again, Ezekiel. This time, not to the bones. The bones are not the issue now. He said, prophesy again. This time, not to the bones but to the wind. In the Hebrew, that's the word ruach. Ruach in the Hebrew. He said, this time prophesy to the ruach. Prophesy to the wind. Now we understand that ruach means wind. It also means breath. And it also means spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Ruach, Hakadesh. He said prophesy to the Ruach. Prophesy again, but this time don't worry about the bones. The bones are not the issue now. Who am I talking to this morning? He said prophesy to the wind. Now interestingly enough, the root word of Ruach is Ruach. R-U-A-H. Ruach is the root of ruach. Ruach denotes, denotes the sense that air is in motion. So you don't have to wait for it to begin. It's already in motion. It's already willing to respond. See, some of you are trying to get it to blow. Some of you are trying to get something. See, some of you are at that place where the bones are not the issue. You're focusing on the fact that they're still not breathing. Come on, somebody. And so you're trying to do everything you can to get the wind to blow. But the wind is already in motion. It's already In motion. Now, this can range from a gentle breeze to a stormy gale to a hurricane force wind. It can be just a gentle breeze that's barely moving to a hurricane force wind. But it's already in motion. Or it can be a very small breath. from a very small breath to a raging passion. So the range whether it's the wind or whether it's a breath so it covers not only man's vital breath that's given at birth and that Its very last gasp leaves their body at death, but also the Spirit of God who imparts that breath. So, So when the focus is on the bones, we're left to now determine the magnitude of revival that's required to bring life back when we just focus on the bones, that we try to decide what it's going to take for them to breathe again. So we're trying to figure out whether it's a gentle breeze or a stormy gale or it's a very faint breath or it's a Breath of raging passion. Because either end of the spectrum is revival. Whether it's a gentle breeze or a stormy gale or just a faint breath or that breath of raging passion, it's revival. But we're trying to decide what magnitude the revival has to be because we're looking, still looking at what got the bones to where they were. When God sent me this morning to tell somebody, see, we've we, we've had it. God began to God began to deal with me this week with with all of these winds. We've had an issue with wind all week. There's been heavy winds blowing, strong winds blowing all week long. Now it's just cold. The, the temperature's dropped, so the wind chill now drops. Amen. I, 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 but the wind has been going on, and God just began to deal with me about the wind blowing. And I I, I, I caught myself and golly, that's irritating. Why does it got to be so windy? Because it blows stuff down on the porch. It blows stuff out of mess. It blows power out, right? It does this. God. Sort of, why can't it just, if it's good, okay, let it blow. But just don't let it be stupid. <laughs> right? Okay, you well, blow. Let's be five miles an hour. We'll even take. We'll even take fifteen miles an hour. But like thirty mile an hour is ridiculous, right? Yes. Because it it moves things and it causes us. The stronger the wind causes us to have to maybe do some things that we normally wouldn't have to do. Because we want to decide the magnitude of the wind. That brings oh, somebody ain't here to me this morning. But God didn't call us to decide the level of revival that is needed in our lives uh, to bring things back to life. God called us to prophesy in the authority and the power to that which is already in motion. See if we will just prophesy to the Ruach. God decides whether it needs to be a gentle breeze or a hurricane for a swim that might tear down some walls that might tear down some buildings that might destroy some things or crush some things that have been in your way amen or it might be a gentle breath amen that's just enough to raise you up or it might be a raging passion where God says amen that you're Fire and your passion, and I love you so much that I desire for this. It's God who decides, amen, what magnitude that the wind and the breath must come. All He wants us to do, amen, is prophesy, speak to that which is already in motion. You don't have to wait till next Sunday for the wind to begin to blow in your life. It's already in motion. Because there's a Ruach, there's a Ruach. And the Ruach says that it's in motion. What do you think? The Bible speaks about when it says the Word of God is quick, it's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. That means it's constantly in motion. That means it's all ready God wants to send you, if it's going to blow lightly, if it's a breeze, or if it's a stormy gale. for it to happen. So you still trying to get to that. Trying to get stars on your chart. Remember that in school? You get a star for every time you listen. Some of us think we... Sometimes we... You know, what if we reverse that? What if we got a star for every time we did this? What if we got a star for every time we rebelled? Why try that at home? So to get the stars for when you do when you do what you're supposed to, get a star for when you mess up and then say, like, see, see that, see that, see that, see that when you when you when you rebel and you just don't see that, see that, come on somebody. Aren't you glad God's not keeping record of that? Right. Hell is, that's why he brings you back to that. Come on somebody. You're still trying to get stars on your chart. Where you feel like now that you that, that you can you you can achieve the place where where where, where now God can bring revival? See, dry bones can can feel like David did in Psalms. And and, and he, he said it here in verse eleven. Pull that back up, cover the music. Please. He said, Tell me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried, our hope is lost, and we're cut off from our parts. David said the same thing. I feel cut off from your presence. Some of you sitting here this morning and you watched this. Some people leaped, you watch some people, you watched this. Some people raised their hands, you watched this. Some people shouted, Amen, you watched this. Some people got excited, you watched this. Some people were swaying to the music. You watched this people. Amen were showing emotion and you thought. Man, I feel so cut off from this presence. Things feel dried up. Hope seems lost, and you feel exiled. I watched. I can't. I can't. I can't. Rem- I'm sorry. I can't remember his name. Your brother-in-law, brother, 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 brother. Brad. I said his Brad. But I watched him when we were singing. And the one song we were singing, he lifted his hand and never put it down the whole song. Now, we we, we kept some songs going this <laughs> And he never put his hand down. He showed no signs that, now, I release you he didn't switch he stood right there I watched it on purpose when he caught my eye I watched him. he stood with that one hand raised up the whole time Stone face looking toward the front like I got this in other words if he's going to do this I'm supposed to do this he looked around yes sir he looked around and saw other people he was like well i, I this is what you're supposed to do Oh come on, somebody! That would that will preach to you next week. He said, evidently this is what this is this is how it's supposed to be in this house. Oh come on, somebody help me! And that's the way you got to be when the enemy says it's hopeless. You got you know what? This is how it's supposed to be, whether I feel it, whether it looks like it or not. This is how it's supposed to be. So I come this morning to tell you, prophesy again. Just prophesy again. Don't worry about the bones. God's got the bones. Prophesy to that which is already in motion. Revival's already stirring. Revival's already moving. The wind is already blowing. All you gotta do is speak to it. and Let God decide how much of it needs to blow in your life to bring restoration. Stay with me across this house. And when he prophesied again, the Bible says they stood up alive an army ready to march and to move forward again. Don't you dare sit there any longer in your mourning or your despair. Don't you dare leave this house on this cold Sunday morning with the mindset that you'll cut off from the victory. And prophesy again. Now, if you're in this house today and you're lost, I know religious tradition says we should sing kumbaya. If somebody's going to get saved, we, might, we, ought, we, ought, to be singing, we ought to be singing really slow and you know, uh, effective. affected. Come on, come on, somebody. That's uh, ooh, I can that. That's no called witchcraft. That's how the enemy seduces the world through music. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, I don't I don't, don't, don't misinterpret but I'm saying. So if you're here today and you're lost and you're feeling your heart, your heart is beating a little faster. It feels like you might be a man going into AFib. It feels like you might be having some palpitations. You're going, what's going on here? What do I feel this way? Let me tell you, that's called conviction. That's called this word has affected your heart. And your heart's going, answer it. Answer it, answer it, answer it, the wind is blowing. So we ain't got a slow song for you this morning, but we got a song song, uh, that speaks about the living, uh, breathing power of God. So first of all, if you're lost and you don't know Jesus and you want to, get out and come. Come out and receive him. He's here. If you're in this place uh, and you're looking at a pile of bones uh, and the enemy tells you that, there's no use, and you've been speaking to it, but you keep hearing the end, as they say, you're wasting your breath, hallelujah, I want you to come, because we're going to speak, amen, to the atmosphere, and those bones are going to again to live again, of course, and you're trying to get to the place to get a breath back in there, you're trying to decide what's it going to take, I want you to get out of your seat and come, because you are going to prophesy to the wind hey, that's already in motion, and you're going to see restoration begin to happen, I'm going to count the three.